Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now. At 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Now on WCPT 820. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. And politicians getting caught grabbing asses. She's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hello, hello. Happy Thursday. Hope everyone is happy, healthy, and safe. Hold on one second. Let me get this. There we go. Happy, healthy, and safe wherever you are today. Beautiful day in Chicago. Let's not talk about what happens over the weekend or in the next few days as the weather changes. Let's uh, open up the phone lines. 773 773- 763-9278 is the number to call and join us either by uh, calling or texting us at 773-763-9278. And uh, it's a, I, I really I was outside a bunch today. Somebody was mocking my neighbors who were putting up Christmas lights, but it's beautiful out. Why? I mean, you don't have to turn them on. You at least, you know, safely and in beautiful weather, hang your Christmas lights up. I know I'm not ready for Christmas either. I know there's another station that is already playing Christmas music. So I am grateful that you're listening to this conversation sponsored, of course, by Monaco Brewing. And we are thrilled that coming up on Monday and here on forward, you're here to with Anyway, we are going to be on from 5 to 7 o'clock, so uh, love to have you hang out. I know that you listen to The Devil's Advocate. They'll still be on a little bit later, maybe a little bit shorter, because we have so much to talk about every day. I'm always pushing back uh, the other shows, and, and Rick Smith, who's live, you know, he's got to start his show a little bit later because I'm yapping. So this means I also have to be better about our time. So I have to be done at uh, 58 minutes, uh, before, like 6.58 now, but today, 5.58. I'm trying to get into the habit of it. But uh, yes, so starting on Monday, and we're going to build in some new segments as well. I am excited to uh, reveal a brand new segment we will be having starting on Tuesday. Every Tuesday, we'll have comedian KB Marion, who is going to single out a story to focus on that has gone viral or taken a hold of people's imaginations. That is, let's say, let's for example, let's say that liberals drink the blood of infants to stay young. Let's just say that as a as one of those stories that's out there for some reason. It uh, grabs the mentality and fears and that sort of brainstem part that people just go, oh, my God, liberals are sucking babies for uh, youth uh, qual, whatever. I don't even I still like even saying it sounds so crazy. Only there are people who believe it. Anyway, KB has a new segment we're going to be sharing with you every Tuesday called That's Not What's Happening. So I'm excited about that. KB is an incredibly talented comedian. Uh, you can see her uh, at the Laugh Factory and uh, on my shows. Of course, I have a show coming up next Wednesday. I will be at the Displains Des Plaines Theater in downtown Displains, And they have a beautiful new room called Bourbon and Brass. So go to OnestiShows.com and find out about the comedy shows that are there at Displains. We'll be there on, Thursday, on Wednesday at Bourbon and Brass. And then Thursday, I'm out at the Arcata. Speakeasy, which is in the Arcata Theater upstairs, down there at uh, St. Charles. Beautiful area. And then Friday back in Des Plaines, and then Saturday back in uh, St. Charles for the Arcata Theater. So I'm going to be joined by, oh, I should get them on the show. Adam Burke will be joining us uh, for those shows. Adam Burke is one of the writers for, uh, oh, I don't know if I should, can I promote other 
stations. I probably shouldn't. But anyway, if you know where Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me broadcasts, uh, Adam Burke is one of the regulars uh, and one of the writers for that show. And we're going to have Erica Nicole Clark will be joining us. Erica is headlining the show. Uh, she's a, She's been on BET. She's been on Comedy Central. Uh, she's open for Dave Chappelle and Kevin Hart. And it just so happens that her father is Mr. T, which is so wild. Uh, she's got great stories about growing up as Mr. T's daughter. And if you remember that story in Lake Forest when her dad decided to take care of his own property and cut down some trees and the drama that ensued. She's got, she's a, if you ask her, she'll tell you the true story about that in that one, it was their property. Anyway, uh, that's coming up next week. Those are my live shows next week. And of course, the last Sunday of the month, I will be at the Laugh Factory for Patty Vasquez and Friends. So far, we have Matt Torres on that show and uh, we'll be sharing more information about that as we go forward. Uh, But I am so excited to be uh, joining you today. Let me take a break uh, real quick. Oh, let me take Steve from the Gold Coast phone call. Hey, Steve, good to hear from you. What's on your mind, my friend? Oh, yeah, well, I finally get to relax after a month of going 50-hour, 50-hour days where the week gets going and so forth. So now I get a little bit of a break. Uh, Excellent. It had nothing to do with what's going on in Georgia. But uh, having said that, uh, um, I, you know, I, I'm for celebrating. You know, uh, sometimes just simply not losing ground is a victory. Yes. And if we can retain the existing status quo in the Senate, I control the White House. That means that, that Republicans can't move back anything that we have made progress on. So, and then going into 2024, for people who don't do this for a living, the presidential election cycles are very good for Democrats, generally speaking. So, if we just show up, right. um, I think we'll, you know, I think we stand a good chance of establishing not only the um, victory with regard to the White House, but perhaps taking back the House again and can, controlling the Senate. Um, what, what's going to happen with regard to the high court, I have no idea, because obviously, you know, for anyone who's gotten tired of listening to us, you know, sort of pounding in their heads, yes, courts matter, and who you select when you go to vote in terms of judicial um, positions matters. And unfortunately, we, we didn't pay attention to that sort of thing as Democrats, to, to the degree Republicans did. They knew that, you know, well, elections don't matter if you can control the court in many ways. And, uh, and, they've, and they've secured for themselves a generation in which the court is going to be on the, the wrong side of issues. Right. You know, there, there was a time when, you know, uh, half of Americans can agree on one thing, half can agree on something, disagree on that same issue. But when 60, 70, 80 percent of the people think one way and the court thinks a different way, I mean, that's just, just troublesome. And, not to, and beyond that, you know, it's not as if these are the greatest legal minds of our generation. Uh, I mean, there were some great legal minds who, with whom I disagreed in the past, um, who were immensely qualified. But um, some of the people serving on the court, I mean, have no business serving on any court anywhere. They were nominated purely because they, they represent an ideology, and they were there, and they're there to forward that ideology. So, um, but uh, but I don't want to you know take the air out of anyone's balloon. I, I think you know again this is a victory for us right now. It's coming down to really just you know Arizona, Nevada. And then, obviously, in December, what's going to happen in Georgia. But uh, all things considered, I feel good about it. I do, too. And I think that there are, you you know... (laughs) 
We've talked a little bit about Republicans having a crisis of faith, uh, some of them turning their backs like Liz Cheney uh, and then Kinzinger, who, uh, you know, really believes that folks have to, you know, that his party has to wake up to the fact that there was an insurrection. There was an attempted insurrection on January 6th. So that's why he's committed to the January 6th hearings. I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Illinois uh, leader, uh, minority leader uh, in the House of Representatives, uh, Jim Durkin, is stepping yeah. down. Uh, he will not. Yeah. 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 So not only that, but he also talks about how how uh, people see Republicans as extremists. And and uh, he was one of the, my favorite interview. I interviewed him during the uh, budget impasse. And he said there's a lot of people that agree with Republicans on uh, what should be in a budget and how you spend a budget. And I would uh, I would say that uh, maybe he's right. Only I would like to know what that means as well, because when he was the minority, the majority, well, not the majority leader, but with a Republican as governor. Uh, their values and how they spent money in a budget was to really weaken those who needed services and support the most, whether it was education or elderly services. Or so, you know, if that's the values of the GOP, then yeah, I guess they should keep uh, making sure that they bring that, uh, <laughs> make sure that those messages are clear. But he was saying that they need to move away from talking about the Second Amendment or, or turning their backs on people who disagree with them about gun ownership and about reproductive rights and about LGBT. BTQ plus issues, um, and so he, you know, he's. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they want to go back yeah, to that, but right. yeah, yeah. I mean, and you're right. I mean, as a country on the whole, we, just, we need to stop looking at the other side as the enemy. I mean, you know, they're the opposition. They're not the enemy. Well, you know, this notion that you know that the, the, the people can't get together for Thanksgiving and Christmas because somebody voted for Biden and somebody voted for Trump at the same table. You know, and, and it's impossible to let those two people sit next to each other or across from each other. I mean, this, this is where we are in America, and I think it's troublesome. Um, but it's important to remind people, especially young people, that there was a time when there were reasonable human beings in both parties. Um, I worked in Jack, Jack Kemp's office when I was just out of college, and this was my first job in the professional political world. And reasonable Republican, you know, today he would he have no place in the Republican Party. He'd be a Democrat uh, by many measures. And so uh, it, it's, it's just really incumbent upon us to, to let people know that the Republican Party that you've come in over since, say, 2015, 2016, is not the one that it has to remain, that it can go back. And if there's one thing that, that, that does sort of embolden me, it's that, that a lot of the Trump candidates and the sort of the Trump cause people did not win. That it, it, this, this is by no means uh, you know, a victory for Donald Trump. And I see a lot of moderates uh, winning uh, in terms of the Republican Party, especially in the House. So even if they do take the House, which is likely, um, it's not as if they're just going to be able to steamroll everything too because they elected a bunch of Trumpers. No, a lot of them got defeated, and they're going to have to really work with some of the people who got elected because some of them are, are, are reasonable, decent human beings. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And and I think that uh, sort of painting liberals as extremists has, you know, that that's how they energize people. But they well, I could get into like what I've talked about this week, this woman at a polling place who was just yelling at me while I was trying to talk to voters and uh, would just she was accosting people. And, you know, one person when she said, well, Chris Kennedy is is pro-abortion and someone said, great, I'm going to vote for him. Uh, you know, so it was like it was it was counterproductive for everything. But that kind of behavior, and I'm sure that there are liberals who uh, get in people's 
people's faces. Uh, but to, to me, that experience uh, makes is going to make it harder for me for a while to want to have a conversation with people who just want to scream and yell me down. I'm just I'm not up for it. Well, yeah, and, and, and to your quarter, you know, you have thick skin given you've been in this game for a long time. Not to mention the fact that you're a comedian. I, I was uh, I was happy to see that you know, unlike say some of the predictions that we saw out there about the possibility of voter intimidation, a lot of other things that could have happened, which really didn't materialize. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that we're not there as a country. Coming out of 2020 and January 6th, I was afraid that possibly that that could happen on some sort of a larger scale, but quite frankly, it didn't materialize. And, uh, you know, so there's always going to be some crazy idiot yelling or screaming at some, you know, particular uh, you know, voting outlet or platform. But, you know, but generally speaking, it was a pretty reasonable election as far yes. as that goes. It was. I'm so I was I'm relieved by that, uh, emboldened by a lot of it, encouraged. Uh, yeah, it's uh, we keep showing up and to keep doing the work, which is the conversation we're going to have in a moment with Todd Belcor from Social Change. Thanks so much for calling in, Steve. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Have a great evening. Let's take a break here and we come back. Todd Belcor, the co-founder and executive director of Social Change, will join us to talk about uh, what's next in Georgia, uh, what he thinks about the election results and to talk about the so- the Change Fest Film Festival. Continuing this weekend, uh, I will be hosting uh, one of the events this weekend in regards to act, uh, artivism and environmental sustainability. That's coming up this Saturday, November 12th at 2 p.m. Central. More in a moment on Driving at Home with me, Patty Vasquez. You're listening to The Heartland Signal. Tom Hartman. Are you surprised by this, that the law and order party that has been spewing this for 60 years now is now threatening riots? Lindsey Graham on Fox News came right out and said, if Donald Trump is prosecuted, there will be riots in the streets. He literally used the word riots. I'm not, he, he didn't say demonstrations. He didn't say protests. He didn't say people will be holding signs. He said riots. Right. The Tom Hartman Radio Program, weekdays 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on WCPT 820. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Our next guest uh, really does not like when I talk about how we met, and uh, so I won't, I won't, I won't uh, put him through it again. Except to tell you, the way we met was that he helped guide me and showed me the ropes in Springfield on how to talk to legislators and uh, and appeal to them for the concerns that I had in regards to my issue at the time, which was the, the uh, slashing of funding for people who have disabilities, a lot of after-school programs and, so, and social services for the, the elderly, which has led me to the career I have now with the controller's office. So, Todd, was that a better version of what I, of the, well, the, the, the more, uh, I guess, visual part of it, where you... <laughs> <laughs> where you directed me uh, in, a, in a very kind way. How are you doing, Todd? How do you feel in the uh, uh, fallout days of, uh, of the election on Tuesday? You know, I'm feeling a little worn, feeling a little tattered, but I am grateful that my introduction did not include the phrase clothesline, so I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> It was a it was a gentle way of redirecting me, was what I was saying. But uh, but I well, we need to we need to keep clotheslining some of these uh, issues that are uh, running like here, for example, banning books and putting things on the ballot that are confusing when it comes to reproductive rights. Uh, We need to we need to clothesline a lot of stuff and just basically, you know, not anything violent, just sort of like, hold on a second. Let's stop that, Uh, because there's a lot of things that people are trying to shove through uh, based on fear manipulation. And uh, we're, we're 
we're seeing it all over the country. Uh, but what do you think about uh, the, how do you think this red wave that people said was going to just be crushing it across the country, which apparently just fizzled out before it made landfall? Uh, what how are you feeling about the predictions and the reality? Yeah, I mean, it ended up being a red sprinkle, right? Um, so uh, that's it went against the forecast and a lot of their predictions for sure. And I think it's a direct result of actually what was said previously in terms of a lot of people went all in on the, the Trump bandwagon in terms of people running for office, people using that as their prime criteria for recognizing and demonstrating their credibility and their qualifications. And it didn't work out too well on the whole. So I think it is kind of a referendum on how the party, uh, the GOP, feels about Trump more generally. And we'll see how that manifests as he, you know, he gears up for his presidential election and what sort of opposition he has within the party. Well, let's live there for a moment, because I, I think a lot of us are trying to decide if we want to put butter on our popcorn or if we like putting a little bit of garlic, maybe a little uh, it's like a sriracha sauce as we prepare to see how DeSantis and Trump go after each other. Like what is going to be the dynamic of that? Because we see what Donald Trump does when he when he has a sight set on something, he tore down every Republican, whether it was making fun of Jeb Bush and, and not just like making fun of him in general, but saying like that his brother uh, got us into Afghanistan. Afghanistan, that it was his fault that the towers came down, like all these crazy things, uh, you know, the, the hijinks and uh, craziness. And then DeSantis is as belligerent and dramatic as he is. What do you what do you think, what are your thoughts on how that's going to going to unfold? Yeah, there's no question that's going to be some real political theater and a lot of drama, uh, fortunately and unfortunately, depending on how you're feeling about the energy that's going to come from it. Um, but I, I do think at the end of the day, it's also important for uh, all other parties not to rest in their laurels and then just kind of watch the fireworks on that end and make sure that there's credible candidates and real platforms and real strategy and real media mobilization to get the message out uh, in terms of what Democrats are proposing to continue to move the country forward. Yeah, that, that's got to be what we should be focusing on. And then, of course, people have concerns about uh, who will be running on the Democratic side. How did you feel about how did you feel about uh, J.B. Pritzker's victory speech on Tuesday night? Well, I think he's clearly pivoting. Um, I think there's been a lot of whispers for quite a bit of time now, but I think not just the way he won, but the fact that he won against a candidate that was as proud as, uh, as Representative Bailey was to tell his relationship with Trump. Um, he then used, you know, the, the elephant in the room, so to speak. He used that as an opportunity to talk about Trump and talk about how he compares to him and, and what he won't tolerate. And I think that's a clear pivot towards a, a eventual presidential run. I'm not sure where um, Pritzker stands in terms of his party affiliations and relationships, but I'm, I'm willing to guess that they're strong enough to, to be on that stage and, and give himself a good go in the primary. So, um, I think it's an interesting time. I think we we definitely need um, some folks who are willing to fight and stand up on all sides of all aisles for just what's right. And that's that's what we really want to see is getting back to fighting for what our principles are, regardless of what your party is. Uh, find, you know, and that's something people are writing about this week in the wake of the kinds of polling numbers that were out there and the predictions and that we should be talking about the candidates, what their policies are and how that would affect people. For example, you know, with, with you messaged me about uh, Wisconsin and when it comes around Johnson, the thing that should have been hammered over and over again, we can. We 
we can go back and forth on the insane things he said about COVID or January 6th or about the LGBTQ plus community or ethnicities and all these other things. But he has flat out said he wants to end Social Security. Well, he wants to end it. He wants to or, or revisit it to see if it's something that's worthwhile having. And it's like that's a policy that would be disastrous for people that have paid into it and are owed that money. Right. No, absolutely. I'll absolutely take the rug out from generations of people who've worked their whole lives so they'd have some basic dignity um, in their golden years. So to not spend time on that and to maybe spend too much time just comparing him to Trump and getting into the personalities and to the kind of personal attacks, I think, wasn't the best judgment. But that being said, there was such a discrepancy between the vote totals of the gubernatorial candidate and um, uh, Mandela Barnes, who is running for uh, Lieutenant Governor Barnes, who is running for U.S. Senate. There may be some other factors afoot, too. So um, I'm not going to take race out of the question entirely on, on that race. Sure. Uh, just like I won't take you know, gender out of the question entirely when it comes to you know Brian Kemp and Stacey Adams versus the numbers for Warnock and Herschel. But uh, there is no question that the, the message needs to be drilled home better to a larger portion of the electorate and not necessarily just kind of engage and dwell in the personal attacks because that just isn't working. It, it really isn't. And I, and I know that we were disappointed about the results in Wisconsin. I guess people weren't necessarily surprised uh, considering the, um, you know, the history of Wisconsin. The If you look at the map and the blue pockets that they have, there's a little bit up in the northwest near Minnesota. Then, of course, Milwaukee and Madison. But the rest of the state is either, uh, you know, a light red, a little bit of a pink, uh, but pretty heavily red in rural areas. And, and we have to figure out a ways to connect with voters and, and the principal of being a Democrat, which is about fighting for workers' rights, fighting for our freedoms, uh, you know, whether that's environmental or our ability to uh, live in a home and have access to medical care, all those things. Uh, we have to get that messaging, and that's the, the long-haul work, uh, wouldn't you say? Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I think the further that Democrats get from the, the core things that they're truly fighting for, the easier it is to, to allow themselves to be demonized and, and for voters to be distracted by however they're being categorized by Trump or anyone else. So I think um, it is a very difficult slog when you're kind of defending kind of core principles like fighting for housing, fighting for Social Security and things like that. But it's much easier to do that if you stand on that and continue to hammer that message on rather than jumping back and forth between um, whether the election results were real or not and all these kind of name-calling back and forth that ends up further dividing people and making people feel more defensive and have their guard up and, and not put them in a position where they're more willing to hear the positions and considerations that you may have based on, you know, whatever you're really fighting for and standing for. I, I want to take a call from a listener, if you don't mind. We've got Matt on the line who wants to talk about the Chicago elections. Hey, Matt, what's on your mind? Hello, Patty. Uh, oh, kudos to your intern, by the way. She's doing great. Oh, awesome. Anyway, okay. uh, not to put her on the spot at all. Anyway, uh, you know, do we, I like Jesus Cuey Garcia. Okay. I, I like him. But do we really need him to be mayor? Shouldn't he be focusing on doing his... Well, I, I've been I've been, I've been thinking about this all day, uh, and tr- I'm wrapping my mind around it. Uh, seeing the folks that came out. By the way, our own Edwin Eisendrath was there today for the announcement. I believe I believe he also spoke at Navy Pier, where Chewy announced that he is running for mayor. Um, Todd, what do you think about uh, Chewy while in office as a congressman deciding to be co- to run for mayor? What, what, what you know, where does your mind go? Because I'm all over the place on this one. 
Well, uh, it's been on his heart since he lost against Rahm quite a bit ago, and ever since then he's only solidified and cemented his political ties in his own machine. So now is the time for him, and I think, um, you know, I think the, the issue now is for people to get a little more understanding and clarity on his policies and how he differentiates from Lori. Um, I'm Mayor Lightfoot, excuse me, but I think um, I think it'll be interesting, uh, interesting battle, and I, I'm curious to see. I'm already seeing a lot of people attacking. Chewy just for, you know, making almost, you know, the announcement. Now he's finally kind of come out more formally. I, I, I am a little sad in the way people just kind of come out and start engaging in personal attacks and all that. I mean, I think on the merits alone, it'll be a nice, interesting uh, fight. And uh, there'll be so many candidates in the race, but that only plays into the hands of Mayor Lightfoot as well. So we'll see. But we still have quite a few months to go, and um, we'll see how things unfold as we go. But I do think Anytime people who have spent their lives in public service decide to run for mayor, I think it's interesting and worth paying attention to. Uh, and I think he's built the resume, but we'll see how that translates in terms of his positions and his campaigning and everything else. With Chicago, mayoral elections are a lot different than congressional ones, believe it or not, as, as, you, as you well know. <laughs> yeah. Well, Matt, and I would say this, too. Cause I, is, go ahead, Matt. You go. Yes. Oh, well, I was going to say, look, if, if he wanted to run for mayor again, somewhere down the road, that's fine. But we are in such a weird and important and scary spot with the House. And and it's just, you, now you want to leave your seat now? Well, when- the way I imagine it, so this is what crossed my mind, and, I, and I'm not going to put any names out there, but but uh, perhaps Todd can, uh, can uh, affirm this, which is I don't think he would do this haphazardly and make his seat vulnerable to be open to somebody who would not, not only follow the uh, sort of, uh, you know, the plan that he has in mind, the agenda, the issues that are most important. Uh, the f- I, I believe that he has already had the discussions, and, and Todd, correct me if you think I'm wrong, with the people that would be involved in appointing someone should he become mayor of Chicago. Right, Todd? I think you're exactly right. I don't think this is a decision came too lightly or impulsively. I think this came up to a lot of deliberation and kind of succession planning, all that. So whoever um, receives the opportunity to get his endorsement for his seat, if, you know, if when he relinquishes it, will certainly be someone that he's a, you know, that's a standard bearer yes. for the things he believes in and for the neighborhoods and causes that he holds most dear. There's no question about that. That's what I was trying to get at, Matt. That's what the standard bearer for his values, because this was also the same thing that I think my boss ran into when she ran for mayor after winning uh, controller, right? She won and then announced that she was running for mayor and, and people had the same concerns. Like, you know, you just ran for this. However, the, if you feel called and, and, and it's, and what Todd said, it's on your heart. And I, and I know how much my boss loves the city of Chicago and knows what she has to offer. And I think Chewy's in that same position and has had this vision because he worked with Harold Washington. He's been at this for a very long time. And I, and, and I don't like to say this either, but I think he looks at his family and, and his life. He's in his 70s and would like to give it his all for as long as he possibly can. So, I, I, so believe me, Matt, I've, had, I've been going over this for not just today, but for weeks, uh, trying to figure out where, how I feel about this because I knew about this for a long time. I'd been, uh, people had communicated with me that this was the intention. I actually had the logo. Have you seen the logo? With the mustache and it looks like the bat signal. 
I've had that for weeks. That I someone haven't, sh- but that's hilarious. It's really funny. Um, so I, I, I have struggled with this because I, I admire him and I and I, I I'm grateful for the work that he has done and and just per, on a personal level, I think he's a good man. Um, so I, I I struggle the same way you are, and uh, and so what I'll try to do is have as many conversations with as many of the candidates. There's eleven or twelve now. I don't know if I can talk to all of them, but I certainly want to talk to like Cam Buckner again and and uh, the mayor herself, if we can, Chewy Garcia, uh, you know, all a lot of the candidates, uh, Brandon Johnson, of course, uh, you know, send me names of the people you want me to interview and I'll send out feelers. I'll try. My friends in Indiana know I tried getting your candidates on from Indiana, but I don't know if they just didn't trust us or what, but it was a back and forth and we never were able to connect. But I will get more on this done. And now that we have two hours, it'll be a little easier. So thank you, Matt. I hope that we'll talk more about this. I promise. Thank you. Patty, thank you for your time, uh, sir. I'm sorry I didn't get your name, but thank you for your time. Todd. And more importantly, we're so close to two hours. Oh, my <laughs> God, I can feel it. Bye. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. And speaking of which, uh, Todd, I'm going to come back in just a moment with you. Can you hang out for a little bit? Matt, Todd? I'd be honored. Thank you so much. Of course. We'll take a break here, but I want to remind folks, as the sun drops down, it's harder to hear the show, and maybe you're just hearing me through some crackle, uh, please find a, an app to listen to the show. Go, you can get a tune-in app. You can watch us streaming on heartlandsignal.com. Uh, you can listen to the show there. You can watch us on Facebook. These are a lot of options for you to continue to listen to this conversation. Watch the conversation. You'll see a picture of Todd right there on the on the screen, I think. I uh, or, or just me, just making silly faces. So go to Facebook, WCPT's Facebook page. Watch us there. We'll be right back with our conversation with Todd Belcour, co-founder and executive director of Social Change. Information is power. Stay informed to know what's going on. Staying informed gives me the power of knowledge. I wake up. I need to know what happened. I turn on the radio. Because information is power. WCPT 820. Where facts matter. To WCPT 820. Because facts matter. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of every can of Choice Hard Seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Dino's Cardinal Liquors in Gurney, Illinois, and Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park, as well as in Chicago at Jarvis Square Tavern, Rogers Park, and Garfield's Beverage Express Wicker Park. Please drink responsibly. And to add to that, tomorrow there's going to be a uh, there's going to be a brewing taste of the tasting of Manaqua brewing beers tomorrow night, November 11th from 5 to 8 p.m. You can stop by to meet Brewmaster General himself, Kirk Bankstead of Manaqua Brewing Company. He'll be serving up samples of their entire progressive beer lineup, including AOC IPA, Kamala Stout, and the brand new and soon to be holiday favorite, Extinct. Elephant Red Ale. Provisions Uptown is stocked up on the progressive brews, so you won't have to go home empty-handed. Please join Kirk and your fellow left-thinking and left-drinking friends tomorrow night, 5 to 8 p.m. at Provisions Uptown, 2812 North Broadway in Chicago. And after I wrap up my uh, event on Saturday afternoon, because I'm doing a show from my basement, which I love doing for Change Fest, uh, I will be having a a choice hard seltzer. (laughs) Todd, you have got to try some of these uh, seltzers when we get a chance, uh, if it's something that you would enjoy. How are you doing, Todd? 
I'm doing well. And those, it sounds like a wonderful event. I'm glad you made people aware of it, too. Yes, I. I uh, it, it's just kind of a fun way to, uh, for Choice Seltzer, they donate a p- portion of the proceeds to Personal Pack and Plant Parenthood here in Illinois. Uh, wherever they're sold, they support the organizations that support women's reproductive rights in those states like Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, in the, the District of Columbia. Um, so different areas that uh, definitely need the support. And that's one of the issues that was uh, dr- a driving factor. We, again, are talking to Todd Belcourt. He's the co-founder and executive director of Social Change. And uh, we are talking about the election on Tuesday and where we go from here. And, of course, the work that he's doing. I'm guessing he's uh, gearing up to go to and all the incredible workers with uh, Social Change to Georgia. Is that right? Are you guys uh, get gearing up to uh, get get up, get the voters out again for the the uh, for, uh, Reverend Warnock? We're definitely gearing up to go to Georgia, get the vote out, just to make sure that uh, the millions of people who literally did not vote this come around, that more of them get to the polls and have no obstructions keeping them from the polls. Not supporting one candidate or another, just making sure more of our folks in marginalized communities in particular, black and brown, are given the opportunity to be aware of the candidates, be aware of where the new polling sites may be and all the different tricks and trades that come with um, a second election so close to a previous one. And make sure people know what's going on. Of course, you know, political junkies like yourself are well aware of the runoff and what it takes and what it means, but there are people who don't spend as much time and energy on this who just think that whatever the outcome is, that that's it. So just even that voter education process is something we need to make sure we're engaging in fully and wholly um, starting this weekend, going all the way to December 6th. And it was a successful effort last time to get voters out and uh, make sure that they were aware of the runoff election. What uh, what kind of uh, information have you received in regards to folks uh, having access to the ballot in, on Tuesday or in the weeks leading up to the election? Well, I've heard of a, a lot of kind of horror stories, um, particularly in the Latino community, about a lot of... Uh, intimidation tactics being used by people representing themselves as law enforcement otherwise, like hanging out in your polls and making it difficult for people to uh, be comfortable navigating and being present. I've um, also heard of a lot of issues with machines shutting down, making lines long and kind of completely unmanageable. So those are kind of the expectations uh, that there will be some significant chicanery, unfortunately. Uh, but that's why the, the solution is just to overwhelm with the just number of people who are voting and making sure that candidates that best represent them are the candidates that they're voting for and that their votes are, are counted. And, and that, you know, with, as was mentioned earlier, that the majority of people who agree on majority of certain things that certain candidates represent um, have a chance to get that, their voice heard and those voice, votes tallied. And unfortunately, that as easy as that sounds and, and you know, democracy foundational as that is, it's, it's more of a, a chore than it needs to be and it should be. But that's why we're loading up the trucks and getting people all the way from L.A., New York, of course, Chicago and North Carolina, you know, all the different corners of the world and having them all convene in Georgia to do our part to knock on doors and talk to our our neighbors and make sure they know the importance of not staying home this, this, this go around. And how can people support this work that you're doing to make sure that voters are aware of their rights and are aware of the importance of this uh, special election, this runoff election in Georgia between Reverend Warnock and Herschel Walker? How how can they support you and and get involved? Yes, absolutely. Uh, If people are comfortable with social media, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we invite you to direct message us at shy social change, C-H-I social change. 
and say you're interested. And there's virtual trainings and ways to actually support from afar if you have some time. The text prospective voters, make sure they know about the days and times to vote, where to vote, and have a plan to vote and receive any support they need to get to and from the polls. Uh, but if folks, you know, don't even have time for that, but do want to support the, the effort more broadly and, and donate, they can do that via socialchange.site, our website, socialchange.site, S-I-T-E, backslash donate, and donate and support the effort. Because this is not a budgeted expense. <laughs> this is not something we're anticipating doing. Um, but anytime there's a runoff and elections are this close, yeah, and voter suppression has been as dire as it's been in a place like Georgia, where it's ground zero for such uh, tactics. It's it's more important than ever to make sure everyone has a chance to vote, have their voice heard. So we have to do what we have to do, even with uh, you know last minute notices, runoffs inherently are to do our best to respond to the emergent need. And that's uh, something that just occurred to me is you know, this is going to be a, a, a as aggressive as the last one, if not more so because of what's at stake here, which is a Senate seat. And I mean, we, we were talking a few moments ago about how relieved we were that it wasn't a red wave. But there is no relief in knowing that the Republicans will still jam up progress in the next couple of years if we're not able to make some get, gain some ground here. We're obviously watching the Lauren Bob, uh, Bobert race in Colorado. She's pulled ahead a little bit with 98% of the votes counted. But there are still some, uh, whether it's mail-in ballots, uh, military votes, uh, things like that. But we are all watching some of these races. Are there any other races that you are keeping an eye on, hopefully, uh, in the hopes that uh, things will turn out so that President Biden and Democrats can get something done in D.C.? Well, it's important for people to recognize all the different ways in which the Senate in particular has a unique function and role in government. When you talk about confirming judges and, and major uh, cabinet positions, that is the role of the Senate. And um, when you have a Senate that's gridlocked, uh, it creates not only a lot of issues in terms of having quality candidates being presented, but also being confirmed. So it shuts down government. It creates uh, a logjam that really hurts people in real life. So um, of course, we're watching the results that are taking place and kind of being tallied slowly in Arizona and Nevada. Um, but we can't wait to see what the outcome of those elections are to determine whether or not we're going to stand up and do everything we can to support Georgia. Um, this is it's too late to do things for Arizona and um, and Nevada as those elections are just waiting to count the votes that are coming in via mail. Mm-hmm. So now it's time to do whatever we can to help the remaining state that is up in the air. And truly, a runoff makes it up in the air as any. So um, if people do want to join the battle, we'd love for you to be involved. If you want to join us personally and come down and be part of that movement right there in Georgia, we'd love for you to join us in that. Again, Shy Social Change, CHI Social Change on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Let us know your availability and your interests, and we'll gladly have you and create good trouble with you. <laughs> I love it. Let's say, are you good till 6 o'clock, or do you need? are you busy packing up and stuff and, and getting some work done? No, I love that. The oh. baby's asleep. I'm good. Oh, excellent. I don't want to wake up the baby. Let's take, before we go to the break, let's take Brian's call because uh, he's been on hold for a little bit. Hey, Brian and Joliet, what's on your mind, my friend? Well, hi, Patty, and congratulations on the second hour. After I heard you uh, when you first started out in August uh, over a year ago, I, the first time I talked to you, I said you should have two hours, <laughs> and I got my wish. There you go. Uh, Thank you. And, uh, well, on uh, the uh, Social Security uh, topic, uh, uh, we go, uh, I go uh, way back, uh, referring to 1982, uh, 
the third rail of politics, Newsweek, uh, that would be Newsweek, May 24th, 1982, and uh, Reagan uh, was going to uh, do his level best to get rid of it, and uh, the article, the third rail of politics, and quote, uh, touch it and you're dead, meaning politically, that's the word on Social Security reform, and Congress wants uh, to keep hands off. And I think uh, things have not changed that much. The Democrats, uh, and oh, there were massive rallies at the time of elderly people against touching Social Security. Uh, I don't know uh, why the Democrats today aren't uh, really sounding off about it. They should. Uh, I think the same result would occur. I don't think the Republicans would... uh, dare take a serious attempt to uh, destroy Social Security. Uh, another article uh, you might want to, or I can send you copies, Xerox copies if you'd like, Reagan's Polarized America, Newsweek, April 5th, 1982, his economic policies reversing long-term social trends are widening the gap between rich and poor. Of course, that's Reagan and uh, uh, Greenspan's trickle-down economics. Finally, after some 40 years, we hear some uh, President Joe Biden uh, attacking trickle-down economics. Of course, it doesn't work. The money doesn't ever trickles down. It always trickles up. That means tax cuts for the wealthiest, and uh, it doesn't trickle down to the finally figuring it out after 40 years. So these are some of the things I wanted to say. If you'd like me to you know, send you uh, copies of these articles, Patty, I'd be happy to. Absolutely. Send those over. You can always always send them to my uh, to my email address. I, it's a uh, P Vasquez at WCPT. I should probably know these things. We have like a, a it's on our website too. The email addresses. Well, actually, I'm going to have to Xerox them for you and mail them right. to you that way. You have I have I have the address of CP. Is that be all right? Absolutely. Okay, fine. Well, I just wanted to weigh in on that. I, I wouldn't, I, 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 the Democrats, yes, definitely wake up and start screaming, uh, keep your hands off of Social Security, and believe me, uh, the Republicans will. Thank you so much. You're right about it. Thanks, Brian. Uh, by the way, one of our listeners asks uh, by text, uh, Todd, if uh, there's early voting for the special runoff. I'm, I'm guessing there is. There is, actually, and it starts uh, after Thanksgiving, so that's when it's going to be really crazy. So if people are looking for a particular time to really dedicate their efforts and their time or come down in person, that's the time to focus on directly after Thanksgiving. But there's just so much groundwork and infrastructure that needs to be reestablished and to help people with voter fatigue and volunteer fatigue and activism fatigue. We also need people on the ground as soon as this weekend. Absolutely. Excellent. Let me uh, take a break here. We're talking to Todd Belcor, the co-founder and executive director of Social Change. And we want to talk about the film festival that uh, is continues uh, incredible films uh, that, that can be life changing, really. And I, I want to tell you about the event that I'll be hosting on Saturday. So hang on. And we'll be right back after this on Driving It Home with me, uh, Patty Vasquez. And hi to all of our friends watching on Facebook, including our friend who wants to move to Chicago. We do have safe streets and great schools. So come on in. More in a moment on the Heartland Signal. 
The Big Picture with Edwin Eisentrath, Saturdays at 1 p.m. Let's be clear about what the right, at least what it says it wants. What do they say in rally after rally? They call for summary arrests and executions. That's not a thing that happens in a democracy. On TV, they feed this fury, and they promise to deliver on this fury. These are now elected people in government promising to deliver on that kind of rage. The Big Picture with Edwin Eisendrath, Saturdays at 1 p.m. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Arminetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at ANS Wine and Spirits back of the Yards and Grand Western Liquors Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. We don't have time for music. Todd Belcourt joins us on the line. He's the co-founder and executive director of Social Change and is one of the... Uh, Todd, I don't really... It, people ask me how I do all the things that I do, and then I look at the things that you're doing. I'm like, no, seriously, what, what kind of vitamins do you take? What, uh, what how much... I, I remember when no you... Know, what was that? <laughs> Milk, thistle, fish oil, <laughs> vitamin D, no. <laughs> and you're, um, you're sleeping better these days than when we used to go down to Springfield, aren't you? You're managing yes, your... Yes, 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 absolutely. I'm just um, practicing a lot more self-care, being better to myself so I can be more impactful for others. And that's definitely been a, a big factor with and, a and, lot of us and, to do and, even more. I am so honored to be uh, one of the moderators that you uh, have joining your events for Change Fest. When we did the uh, a couple weeks ago, there were several films that I really were so impactful on uh, on race, on uh, media, on uh, so many issues that are, are really important storytelling. And one of them was called On These Grounds about the uh, the the high school student that was ripped out of her desk uh, during her day at school down in South Carolina, and uh, it really you know. Because there are stories that go viral, and we see them, we get outraged by them, and then kind of that's it. But um, it was, it really, I had I had no idea the history of it. It was so well done. And so many of the films that you guys feature uh, are along these lines of, uh, this is what, what's possible. These are the, the barriers that people are encountering. This is the kind of, of violence or injustice that people are experiencing. Tell us a little bit about uh, this weekend's events. And I, I know that you had an in-person event. I'm sorry, I could not make. But tell us what we are are in in store for for the weekend and and what people can do to get involved. Yes, absolutely. Uh, This is the final weekend of our International Social Change Film Festival, celebrating our common humanity through arts, through film, through conversation, storytelling, uh, but most importantly, through action. Um, So there's opportunities for people not only to learn about different issues and engage in different issues, but talk about those issues with practitioners, filmmakers, people directly impacted, amazing people like Patty. And get involved and make a real difference in, uh, in addressing these issues. So, uh, and this the good part about this weekend. Um, if you missed last weekend, we had a great in-person shindig in Chicago, or you know, a couple weeks prior in Atlanta. No worries, this is virtual. So, wherever in the world you are, uh, if you you know hear our voice, <laughs> uh, if you have any sort of access to the internet, then this is a perfect place for you to engage. Um, not only in the films that will be featured and discussions that will be featured regarding artivism and environmental sustainability and the incredible films that will be discussed there, but there's over 150 films to take a look at and, and really weigh in on and also have an opportunity to do something about the issues in those films. Action opportunities are embedded 
in the entries and ways to get involved are clearly demarcated. So please check us out, changefest2022.eventive.org is the website, or you can just find it at socialchange.site. It's on all of our collateral material, all of our websites, all of our social media handles. But the big draw, of course, is Patty. She'll be doing our moderating, making sure the conversation, the facilitation is on point as only she can. And we're excited to have an important conversation on tackling global injustice with filmmakers, experts, and activists and artists from around the world. Join us. And this weekend's uh, the panel that I'll be moderating is Artivism and Environmental Sustainability. Uh, And again, this will be at 2 p.m. Central. You can go to uh, Shy Social Change. uh, Actually, go to changefest2022.eventive.org. We're going to have to be doing it, as Todd mentioned, it'll be uh, Facebook Live. And uh, it's really, it's so much fun to talk to the filmmakers, what their vision was, uh, how they were able to execute it, you know, what the catalysts are, what the, the obstacles uh, that they encountered along the way and it's just an honor to work with some and, and I, I, I some I so want to make a film one of these days <laughs> I really I have an idea but it's about uh, breaking it down and executing it right you have several stories to tell I'm hoping <laughs> for at least one Screen. <laughs> All right, I should get I should get to work with somebody because maybe that's part of what uh, one of the avenues I have to I have to you know tell my story. But let's uh, let's let's see what Jim wants to talk about. Hey Jim, what's on your mind, my friend? Oh, hi Perry. Uh, McCarthy had a chance of civility today. Uh, you think he put an olive branch to uh, Speaker Pelosi? But no. Pelosi has to shut up all the, uh, all the, she can't, uh, you know, she said, you know, there's a flu going around and there's still a little bit of the, you know, the disease going on. Maybe we should do this by Skype or whatever they use. And the guy said, no way. First thing we do is shove everybody in the room. I don't care whoever drops dead, drops dead. I mean, now that's, this is a grown man who's going to be Speaker of the House. You'd think he'd have a civil bone in his body. I know. And and this has gone too far. This has just gone too far in the United States of America. These men are making, they're making plenty of dollars there as a speaker of the house. He's acts like a complete and utter ignoramus. And they're famous for it now. They're getting famous for it. And it's, it's gone too far. It, it has, and, need... and they're unwilling, and, and folks like uh, Kevin McCarthy are unwilling to do anything to move in the right direction when it comes to civility or just general kindness. To bring the temperature down. At least yeah. bring the temperature down. Yep. Because, you know, these young voters are going to force the Republican Party's hand. They're going to have to think of policy. They can't run on just being... Uh, uh, scoundrels constantly. They have to have some policy to run on. Otherwise, they're never going to get elected. I mean, these kids are pretty sharp. Now, you can see these 18 to 26, they're catching that fast. You know, Patty? What do you think? I do. I, oh, absolutely. We, and, I, and I think uh, Todd would agree that it was young voters that made such a big difference in this race. Wouldn't you say, Tim? I mean, Scott, sorry. Todd? Oh, my gosh. I've got so many names <laughs> in my head, Todd. Tim, Scott, Todd. Yeah. All fair. No, yes. absolutely. Young voters are coming out. But also more getting uh, this disenchanted with the process and getting frustrated with all the, you know, acrimony and the, yep. the polarization as well. So it's, I think your caller is right to highlight how frustrating it is to see how um, not only it's difficult for people to come together and talk about politics, but even the idea of having, you know, a celebration like Thanksgiving, which is really celebrating our, our love for one another and family and all that, how that could be even frustrated by people's political affiliation. So things are really devolving and it is dangerous and it is concerning and it's 
more important than ever to focus on the policies and not people so we can actually have productive conversations, just like you suggesting, just like the nation needs. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jim. I got to run. Todd, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Everyone follow Social Change on all your social media platforms and join us for Change Fest Film Festival this weekend for the final weekend. Todd, get some rest again. I know you have a lot of work to do. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Patty, to you and all your listeners. God bless you all. God bless you. And Devil's Advocates up next. Thank you, Lady B and Katie. Have a great evening, everyone.